Glad you're here this evening. This is a, a life beyond amazing. I had someone call and said, are you still doing that series? I'm like, yes, I am. Yes, yes, I am. This is week two of four. I've heard uh, that if you miss a week and you care to go back and listen to the audio, it should be on the Kelview website uh, under Wednesday night services. It might not be up there yet, but if you want to go back and listen to last week's was kind of an intro and the first fruit of the spirit, which is love, is what I covered. So tonight, uh, there's nine fruit of the spirits. I'm not going to cover all nine. I get to pick and choose which ones I cover uh, because I'm, I'm leading this. So that's, that's right. If you want me to cover a different one, sorry. Uh, sorry. <clears throat> Do your personal Bible study on that one. It's probably compassion or something. I'm not real good at that one, so I just kind of skip it. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. Uh, there are notes in the back if you need notes. Uh, and you'll notice that there's no blanks. So it just relieves the pressure of that of, on me, of giving you the blank, or saying the blank, because then several of you all come up, you never said the blank. I'm like, yeah, I messed up, sorry. So all the notes are there. Uh, again, a topical study, you have more verses I'm going to cover than you can possibly look up and find. If you don't want to have a Bible drill, you just trust me that it's in there. You can go back and, and double check them. Um, but uh, tonight we're going to cover two more fruit of the Spirit, and that is uh, joy and peace. So would you pray with me as we start? Heavenly Father, I thank you for your love for us through Jesus Christ. Thank you that we can gather here freely and that you're uh, sovereign, that your uh, love is evident throughout your word, throughout the scriptures. And thank you that you're a God that loves us and that you want us all to be saved through your Son, putting our faith in your Son, Jesus Christ, and what he did on the cross. And if we do that, then the next step is you want to change us slowly but surely to be reveal more the character of who you are, to make our character more in line with who you are. And that's what the fruit of the Spirit is all about. I thank you that it's a process. May we be patient, be patient as you're changing us, not that we do it perfectly every day, but may we strive to be more like you and how we relate with you and how we relate with others and give you all the glory. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Gretchen Rubin was living what anyone would call a a really good life. She had a handsome husband, a loving husband, two adorable daughters, excellent relationships with all her family, friends, successful career, working up the ladder, comfortable home, and a good health. On all accounts, she was doing well. However, despite all of that, she felt angry often, melancholy at times, insecure, guilt-ridden, and uh, she would get upset at the minor setbacks of life. One rainy day, she's riding down, downtown on a bus, and she looked out the blurry window and, and realized that she was caught in this treadmill of life. Life was slipping by, and she wasn't enjoying it. It was feeling, this feeling of a, of a deep discontent, but that something, is, that something essential in her life was missing. Again, everything in her life is good, based on what we would define as good, Okay. She's asking herself, what do I want from life anyway? She says, well, what do I really want? And she answered herself. She says, I want to be happy. She was gripped by fear, a fear that she'd never find happiness. The days are long, but the years are short, she thought. Time is passing. I'm not focusing enough on things that really matter. What changes could she make in her life to fix these missing pieces of the puzzle? She decided to spend a year in research and retooling her life with ways to find this happiness that she was missing. It's natural for people to struggle with happiness in the face of disappointment or loss, but it's not natural for someone that 
has it all going well, and you still are unhappy. Someone's not facing a serious difficulty that may even be blessed with love, family, good homes, money, good jobs. All things are supposed to add up to a good life, right? And happiness and joy would for sure go hand in hand with that. Yet real happiness eludes us. Life plods on day after day. Habits settle in, routines. The mere ordinaries of life drag on. We experience no real unhappiness, but neither do we experience real joy. Gretchen Rubin went on to search for happiness and led her to philosophers, noted authors, popular gurus. She didn't read any of my books because I haven't written any, but she read Plato and uh, Betrayan Russell, Oprah, made her list for somehow, Buddha, and Virginia Woolf. And her conclusion after all of that was to build happiness into her life, she had to put in behaviors and attitudes, different ones such as discipline and aiming high, good habits, positive outlook, passion, and a willed contentment. You just do all of those things. You do all those ingredients. You stir it together. And in 20 minutes, you have, no, it's, uh, you have a potluck dinner. Uh, she wrote about her journey in a blockbuster book, book called The Happiness Project. It evidently uh, rang true for some, some people. It was on the New York Times bestseller list for two years. So what is this? What is this unhappiness that from time to time we all feel it and we all face it? It could be from trials. It could be from just discontentment. It could just be from the day-to-day of life, this life. I think it's more than just an absence of happiness. I believe it's the absence of joy. Well, what is joy? Well, joy biblically only comes from a relationship with Jesus Christ. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ or anyone doesn't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you're just going to go through life and if you have all the things and the great husband or the great wife and you have the children and the grandchildren and you have the retirement and you have the first great job and you have all the things that are just going great, you can still be unhappy and unjoyful. Why? Because the fruit of the Spirit, one of them, is joy. And that only comes from God. God is the creator of it. God is the one that promised it to us, he's the one that gives it to us. The polls constantly show that America ranks below many other nations when it comes to happiness. You would think that would be the other way, because if you look at financially how prosperous a nation is, uh, there's probably maybe one or two, maybe China above us, but we're up there. We're, we're up there financially, and you would equate financial brings happiness, right? Uh, no, not necessarily. Can, but not necessarily. Only about uh, 35% of Americans say they're very happy. Millions are depressed or anxious. Suicide levels have been rising for decades. Another survey showed that some of the 10 richest nations in the world had the highest levels of depression. We are, as a nation, as individuals, clearly we need to adjust our thinking about what constitutes true happiness and joy. It's not just money, and money in itself is not good or bad. It's it's amoral, it's, it, it's something, but it doesn't, it's not good. It, it allows you to bless other things if you're blessed with money, but if you make it your God, then it's not a very good God. And, uh, and uh, we should know that. So, how do you get this God-filled happiness, this joy, regardless of circumstances? Uh, I have a happiness and a joy that only comes from God. How do you get that? 
Well, it's God. It's through the Holy, uh, the fruit of the Spirit that comes. If you talk about joy, uh, we, you know, uh, God Himself uh, is the God of joy, the God of happiness. When God Himself experiences joy, He says, "So shall your God rejoice over you." He rejoices over believers, over Christians. Isaiah sixty-five nineteen says, "God saying, I will rejoice in Jerusalem and joy in my people." He takes great joy in his church, and his believers. Zephaniah the prophet said to Israel, the Lord your God will rejoice over you. So God is a God of joy. And we being in God's image created that way, we should uh, experience some joy because we have the love of God in our hearts. The God of joy is, is inside of us through the Holy Spirit. God wants us to experience joy. It's after all one of the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians. Jesus declared that as much in John 15, 11. Uh, and Paul said the same thing. Rejoice in the Lord, Philippians 4, 4. We are commanded as followers of Christ to find joy in the context of our relationship with Christ. So that's the way, and we're going to look through passages. Our joy is not based on our circumstances. Our happiness is not based on our circumstances. That's why people that have everything going great can have the joy and happiness of the Lord. And the people that are locked up in prison and have nothing, can be just as joyful and happy in the Lord as people that don't have that. Or if they're going through really heartaches and trials and difficulties in life, health issues, whatever it is, they can still have the joy of the Lord because that can't be taken away. So the New Testament gives many examples of people who found joy in Christ. You see the crippled woman that's healed by Christ, a leper healed by Christ, a the paralytic healed by Jesus, uh, and they and Jesus's first miracle was done where? Anyone know? A wedding. He turned the water into wine in Cana. By the way, I went to a wedding and had some joy of the Lord. And there's some videos out there on the internet. You need to disregard those. Uh, I don't. I just had the joy of the Lord in my heart, um, and then someone decided to video it in their sin. Uh, moving on. Uh, it, it is good to have happiness and joy because there's a lot of things in this world that don't bring, there's no joy, there's no happiness. It's just, uh, it's just the routine, depression, anxiety. There's no freedom. There's no uplifting spirit. There's just, uh, it's pretty ugly out there sometimes in the world. God wants to give joy. Jesus comes and he brings joy to people's life and he, he wanted them to have joys. And then Paul says, rejoice always. He says that over and over again in, his, uh, in, in Paul's letters. Do you know that there was joy in heaven the day you became a Christian? Luke 15.10 says that God had joy when any believer gets saved. The angels rejoice. God rejoices. Uh, there should be, uh, the Bible says there should be joy on earth even at times of difficulty. Jesus said this, Rejoice in that day and and leap for joy, for indeed your reward is great in heaven, even when you face persecution in this life or difficulty in this life or trials in this life. Life. Peter says we should consider ourselves blessed. 1 Peter 4.14 That blessed word could be translated as happy. Paul says we should glory in tribulations. How many of y'all have glory in your tribulations? Bring on more tribulations, please. More, more. James famously wrote, to count it all joy when you face trials. James 1, 2. 
Paul commends the Thessalonians for receiving God's word with joy of the Holy Spirit in the midst of their persecution. The early apostles in Jerusalem rejoiced when they were persecuted for Christ's sake. So what is the definition of the joy of the Lord? If I had to give a definition, I I found this one, I think it's pretty good. The joy of the Lord is the gladness of heart that comes from knowing God, abiding in Christ, abiding in Christ, and being filled with the Holy Spirit. So you got the Trinity right there. You, you, you have the joy of the Lord because it comes from knowing God. You have a relationship with God. You abide in Christ. You got the vine verse. You know, I am the vine. You're the branches. And, and uh, the whole uh, metaphor, which is the fruit of the Spirit, if you know how fruit works on trees and plants, if you have a banana plant, you're going to have, y'all are good. Y'all are good. It is a plant, right? I don't know. Or a tree. I guess a tree, yeah. Uh, the fruit. God is the source. And then the Holy Spirit. Jesus says, I have to go so that I can give you the Holy Spirit. And that Holy Spirit comes and says, I'm going to be in your life and walk with you. And what's going to come out is the fruit of the Spirit. And one of the two of those is joy and peace that only God gives. So this, you know, this evening, can you say you have the joy of the Lord in your life? Is that one of the fruit of the Spirit you're, uh, you're displaying for everyone to see? The source of the joy in our life. What is the source? Jesus Christ, of course, is that source. He is the one. He is the reason uh, that, that uh, he said himself, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. John fifteen eleven. If you got your Bibles and want to, I'm, I've marked five of these verses I'm supposed to flip to. This is one of them, John fifteen eleven. Jesus is speaking. That's why it's written in red. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. God, Jesus, wants your joy and my joy to be full. So he has to be the center of this joy. My joy. Jesus says, my joy. Jesus is the reason Christians, believers, have any joy at all. It's not based on my house and my square footage or if my kids obey or if my dog obeys or, or whatever. There's a little bit difference between joy and happiness. They're not totally synonyms. They're, they correlate. But the joy of the Lord is something that's not based on circumstances. It can't be taken away. Regardless of circumstances, I can have the joy of the Lord and I should uh, be living that out in my life. So Jesus is the center of my joy. Peter called it joy inexpressible in 1 Peter 1.8. Uh, it's hard to, uh, to express, to explain this joy that only God can bring. But surely you can think of people, maybe you're not the person that always exemplifies this joy. The fruit of the Spirit is always works in progress. The Holy Spirit's working on us. And I don't always show the joy I should or the patience or the peace or the love I should. But probably when you think of Christians or God's people, church people, you would surely one or two or three people would come to mind. That is a person that always shows the fruit of the Spirit joy. And I hope to be more like that, you know, because we live in a, in, a, in a day and an age where it likes to focus on all the negatives. Everything's so negative. Like the sky is blue. The sun came up. It goes down too early right now, but uh, the, I don't know what... It's, I don't like it when it gets dark. It's, it's daylight right now because of yeah, the stained glass windows. 
My joy, moving on. The characteristic of this joy, uh, he says, Jesus says, your joy may be full. Synonym for that would be complete. Joy is rather abstract, so how do we know if our, if our joy is full of God the way he wants it to be? Flip over to 1 Peter chapter 1, uh, to the right. I'm reading from the New King James, but you're welcome to read whatever translation you'd like. 1 Peter 1, 6. Paul says a lot about rejoicing. He uses the word joy a lot. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than the gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. I think I read the wrong verse. 1 Peter 1.8. I'm going to get there. I did read 8. Whom have you not seen you love, though now you do not see him, yet believing you rejoice with joy, inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your soul. There's that part where Peter says, your joy is, is inexpressible. It's hard to, uh, to define it, to explain it, but it's just there. You're just full of joy. In England, when the monarch is in residence at Buckingham Palace, the monarch's flag is flown from the flagpole. That was the image borrowed by an English headmaster when talking to his students about Christian joy. He said this, Joy is the flag that is flown from the castle of your heart when the king is in residence. The king is in. Joy is just what's going to come out. Well, the king, Jesus Christ, he says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. And you ask him into your life, into your heart. He's always with you. He doesn't lie. And so Christ followers, Christians, should have joy, regardless of what's going on in their life. It's a fruit of the Spirit. The king's always in. But then thirdly, the continuity, continuity of this joy, he says it would remain in you. Jesus says he wants this joy to remain in us. Since our joy is from Jesus and Jesus is always with us, our joy should never leave us either. Doesn't that make sense? But doesn't it seem like it does? <laughs> or it just kind of loses its pizzazz or its, it's just kind of, here's another day, I just wake up, just go through the routine, get ready for work, go to work, come home, deal with kids, however long that takes, maybe watch a show, read a book, watch the news if you really want to. And then go back to sleep again and do it all over again. Life can be monotonous. Life can just be that way at times. Um, it's easy for joy to be fleeting, but it's also uh, it's easy to allow circumstances to determine our joy. And I think from these passages, we shouldn't allow circumstances to affect our joy. They don't affect whether I'm saved by Christ through faith in him and what he did on the cross. It doesn't matter if I have a bad... Now, everyone's going to have a bad day, right? But uh, we should be, Christ remains in us. He wants that joy to, to remain, to be continuous. But then you also see the secret of joy in our life. There's a practical side to the fruit of the Spirit. God gives joys in Christ as a gift, but how do we appropriate it and keep it? What are some steps we can do to assure that we have the joy of the Lord in our lives? First is surrender your life to Jesus Christ. That's where it starts. He is the one that is joy and that created joy and that can make it happen in your life. If you, don't, if you or I don't have a relationship with Christ, uh, it's, it's, we're not going to have the joy of the Lord. 
goes hand in hand with that. Um, if you think of what we have in Christ, he, uh, you know, we're all created and born in the image of God, but yet we all have this sinful nature, evidently, from Genesis 3. And we want to rebel against God and his ways, and there's that battle that happens in sin, anything that's against God. or Selfish living is sin, and we all tend to do that, whether it's a little lie or it's a little whatever, it's sin. It's, it's not holy, it's not righteous, it's not God's standard, and that creates a wedge between us and a holy, just God. Thank goodness Jesus Christ died on a cross for our sin. He paid the price for our sin. And then the choice is up to us if we'll surrender and put our faith in what Jesus Christ did. Or am I going to try to be a good person? Or am I going to try to earn my way into heaven? Uh, There's plenty of scriptures that say you can't do that. You surrender. Surrender is the part where you realize and you humble yourself and say, God, I need what you did on Jesus to save me. I can't save myself. And so you have to surrender to Jesus Christ in your life, and that starts with a salvation experience or saying a prayer or just coming to a realization that I need salvation for my sin. Then, according to Scripture, the Holy Spirit comes into your life, and then you're a work in progress from that point on. Whether you're saved at 6 or 8 at a vacation Bible school or you're saved at 45 or 50 uh, at at a church adult Bible study, it doesn't matter. But once you start on that progress... Uh, we should be living out and growing in our relationship with Christ because the Holy Spirit's in us. Christ leaves. He resurrects. He appears to a few people. We're going to look at passages here. It says, Jesus said, I have to go, but to send the Holy Spirit to come because he's going to do a lot more through the church because he empowers through the the works of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit. He's going to empower Christians to exemplify God's love to the lost world. And then he starts the church. And then the church is a group of Christians, but also individually, you know, I am the temple of God. The Holy Spirit is in me. The Holy Spirit is in you if you put your faith and trust in Christ. So, each day, are you thinking, am I living the fruit of the Spirit, or am I living more uh, the fruit of the world? The fruit of whatever my emotions and my feelings and whatever my circumstances say. Is that how it controls my life, or is it God's promises and truth And the spirit in me that's going to say, no, no, you should be living out love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's all nine. I said last week I learned a song, and oftentimes through music you memorize scriptures, and that's how I memorize the fruit of the spirit. Uh, I will not sing the song for you right now, but I could, but no. Uh, So this joy, it should remain in you that surrender your life to Christ, that's where it starts, but then submit yourself totally to the spirit of God. Um. Because evidently you can kind of backtrack or take a one step forward with this joy, but then if you look around your circumstances, your surroundings, you can, you can kind of quench the spirit or the work of God in your life. David did that. It happened to David. It could happen to us. He lost the joy of his salvation. Psalm 51.12, David says, Restore to me the joy of my salvation. Now, if you know David's story and what happened to him. He had some pretty bad things happening to him. People were out to kill him. Uh, He had some things to be concerned about. But in focusing on all those things of his life, he lost the joy of what he had in in God and his relationship with God. So even David, the guy that walked, that had a, a, you know, the man after God's own heart, didn't walk perfectly, did he? He had the incident 
Everyone knows the incident that he had. But yet God forgave him and God still used him. And Jesus is still through the line of David. Um, so you have to be, the joy can be kind of quenched. And uh, it can become a downward spiral. Uh, spiritual weakness um, kind of overbears your life and overcomes your joy. And you forget the inheritance you have in Christ. The enemy, the father of lives, loves to get our focus off on what we really have, the inheritance, who we really are, children of God, adopted into his family. We have rewards promised to us, the love of God that's never going to leave us and fake us. But no, if he can get us focused on this other thing, but look how bad this is. And then he starts his lies, right? God doesn't care about you. If God did love you and care, he wouldn't allow this to happen in your life. You know that's a lie, right? There's plenty of scriptures that say sometimes he allows us to go through trials and difficulties because, sure enough, it tests our faith. Do we really trust God or do I only love and trust God when things are really great? Sometimes God tests our faith. Sometimes it's our sinful nature. Sometimes we live in a fallen world and just bad things happen. Hurricanes happen. Earthquakes happen. Tsunamis happen. Submit yourself totally to the Spirit of God. Um, and that's something you, you, only you have to interpret your own life. Are you submitting to God in, in, in everything of your life? Because God's not a God, that, God likes, that likes to share. God doesn't say, give me 80% of your life, if you wouldn't mind. You can have that 20, right? God doesn't work like that. He's either you're all in or you're, or you're not. So if there's not a lot of joy in your life, you might ask the question, am I submitting to God in his way through his word? Am I doing the things that God wants to bless and the things that would allow me to follow him? Sometimes we just don't want to hear God's will for our life. I, I went through a phase in my life, even after going to an amazing college, Texas A&M. They don't, they don't win football games, but uh, it's an amazing college, and I had my plans for my life. Uh, if you know this, I won't go into the whole story, but I, was, I had a, a, an uncle that was a banker high up with Bank of America, and I was going to get... I was going to be an engineer because my brothers were engineers and they make money. I didn't know you had to go to class. Didn't know you had to do that. But uh, so I failed out of that real quick and then I transferred to business because anybody can do it in business. That's not true either. Uh, and I did accounting up to intermediate and then I changed my major again. Like, that's too hard. I don't want to do that. And then I wound up with an HR management degree and I thought, I know this connection at Bank of America. Obviously, I'm going to work up the ladder. And God shut every one of those doors. This time, I mean, I was probably mad at God because I think God was wrestling with my heart saying, are you, you going to do your own plan or are you going to do my plan for your life? I'm not saying that everyone's called to the ministry because not everyone is. But I wasn't being open to what God wanted me to do. I was doing my own thing. I wasn't submitting to God. And it's not till I submitted to God that things started opening up for me. But God opened those things. So make sure you're submitting to him. And then thirdly, study the word of God. The Bible is the instruction manual on joy. It's the source of joy. It's how it's possible to always have joy. It's what can take away uh, our joy if we let it. If you don't continually uh, refer to the truth of God's word, it's easy to forget the principles. That's why it's important to memorize God's word. When the father alive, Satan decides to throw all these things and God doesn't love you and he wouldn't allow whatever, fill in the blank. Quote the scripture, Adam. What did Jesus do when he was being tempted by Satan? Quote a scripture, Old Testament verses, right, Adam? 
Satan had no comeback for that. Study the Word of God because there's plenty of verses that talk about joy and rejoicing and happiness. Plenty. Not that the life of following Christ will always be that way, but God wants us to have that joy. Then last, share your life with others. Um, Joy is one of those things that increases the more you give it away. It multiplies as you invest in others' lives. You reap joy as we sow joy in relationships. I don't think for the church, and I don't think for individual Christians, the lockdown and the isolation was good. There's plenty, plenty of mental experts that say it was not good for a lot of people. Sure enough, we were created for relationships. And the church is where we should be exhibiting that joy. We should be living out that joy with each other, encouraging each other. And, uh, and, it, and it happens. Uh, the British commentator William Barclay, he wrote, The Christian is the man of joy, the, the laughing cavalier of Christ. A gloomy Christian is a contradiction in terms, and nothing in all religious history has done Christianity more harm than its connection with black clothes and long faces. Our churches should be congregations of joyful people, not collections of somber souls who don't think it's appropriate for godly people to enjoy themselves in the Lord. You met any unhappy Christians? Are they just a testimony of God's love and glory in their lives? Uh, that's why, you know, I think, uh, now, I was a music leader for a while. You should have some um, up-tempo songs. Up-tempo songs, I'm preaching to the choir here. Be careful. Okay. Evidently, there was pipe organ and there was piano only, right? And then at some point, these pots and pans and drums came into the church, and they were from the devil. And then there were guitars, and these things came in the church. And ever since then, for decades, this has been a... Uh, the enemy loves to divide, right? He's very good at it. And now you have worship wars. It's been going on for some time. That's why you see some churches in the black box and you got the fog machine and you got crazy things happening and car giveaways every week. Then you have other churches that still have the piano well and the organ well, but now you have a bass guitar in there and you have a, a drum in the other one, right? Okay? Point is, remove all of that. God has been worshipped in a lot of different ways. There were symbols and Drums and stuff back in the Old Testament. Okay? Drums are not something that new. They're really not. Um, I think there's nothing wrong with being upbeat. Now, you can go crazy. Okay? If the focus is on the band and on making a CD, I think that's a problem. Because it should be about the worship of the people. For sure, the band should have quality and should present good songs. And the, the songs that are sung should be biblical. Not be uh, you know, bad doctrine, of course. Not be unbel- That would be bad. But the style of song, and if your favorite song is done that week or that week, we've taken the focus off of God, and we put the focus on ourselves. And I think that's wrong. I say all that to say, it's okay to have a little bit of excitement in the church of God. Because God's a God of joy. God's the God of, 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 uh, of joy of his people. In the autobiography, Just As I Am, Billy Graham, he recalled visiting the home of one of the wealthiest men in the world in, on the Caribbean island. The man had every comfort and convenience that money could buy, yet he confessed to being miserably, uh, miserable as hell. The Grams prayed with the man, tried to point him to Christ, who alone could give him the meaning of life. Later, they got back to their small bungalow, and the, the pastor of a local church came to visit him, and uh, he was full of joy and enthusiasm for Christ. And this pastor said, I don't have $2 to my name, but I am the happiest man on this island. Which of the two men 
was the happiest. It was obvious. It is possible to live a wealthy, lonely life without joy. It is possible. It is also possible to live in fellowship with other joyful people and be full of joy personally. One is the world's solution and the other is the Bible's solution. God wants us to be part of a community of joy in our local church. So, there's some ways. If you don't have much joy of the Lord in your life, look at those four things. Are you doing those four things? Because if you're not, those, those, those help bring more joy. And God honors that and blesses, blesses that for sure. So, first fruit of the Spirit, or actually the second fruit of the Spirit listed by Paul in Galatians is love and then joy. The third one is peace. The peace of God. The world is becoming a more dangerous place. The worsening conflict in the Middle East, the lack of a solution to the refugee crisis, an increase in deaths from major terrorist incidents have all contributed to the world being less peaceful. Someone quoted from 2016. In 2016, there were only 10 countries that were not at war. I'm not sure what it is today. There's a lot of war happening. A lot of nations fighting nations. And with those wars and with that fighting comes danger and chaos. Unpredictability comes fear of people. Um, In our own nation, the whole defunding the police. I don't know who came up with that idea. It doesn't seem the most brilliant thing to do. I'm not saying the police are perfect, but you have anarchy if you have no no, uh, punishment for wrongdoing. And that's sure enough what we had in in this land not too long ago. God created a peaceful world, and he will restore the world to peace in the future. That's what the Bible says. In the interim, we're in the in-between. He sent his son, Jesus Christ, and he is the prince of peace, according to Isaiah 9.6. And he is to show us how to have peace in the midst of turmoil. One day, the nations, all nations, will not lift up arms against one another, and they will uh, nor learn war anymore, according to Isaiah 2.4. Until that day comes, we need to know something about God's peace. It's one of the reasons Jesus came to earth. Jesus came to introduce the kingdom of God in the midst of the kingdom of this world. Jesus said, I come, and he started his kingdom, the kingdom of his Father. Through him, we can have the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, according to Philippians 4, 7. The night Jesus was born, the angels of heaven announced peace, goodwill toward men. He is the one who can bring deep peace and satisfaction in our lives. We long for international peace uh, among nations, of course, but uh, we wait for the day when ultimately God will bring the peace of the nations. He hasn't done it yet. His son has not come back again. So describing this peace, what is this peace of God, this fruit of the Spirit, Uh, look at three things. Biblical peace is peace with, from, and of God. We can have peace with God first. It's the beginning beginning point of how man searches for peace is their relationship with God. Because, as I said earlier, we're born with the sinful nature. We're born uh, with the, the, you know, you don't have to teach a little toddler to say the word mine or to take something from someone else, or to lie, or to be really ugly. They just know how to do that, right? 
At least mine did. They came that way. Uh, and then you try to teach them not to do that, right? Um, we're born with that sinful nature. And not, it's more than just, not a cute thing. It's actually, we were born in a state of enmity with God. We were enemies of God. That's what sin is. I don't mean to uh, make j- joke and make fun of sin because it's pretty serious from God's perspective. It was serious enough for him to send his son Jesus to die to cover our sin. So this sin problem is it was a pretty big problem. Right? Being enemies of God. Uh, look over at Romans chapter 5. Romans 5. If you know Paul, he was a detailed person, and he was very, Romans is a very deep book, but basically he's setting it, the Roman road is the, you know, uh, is what often used for salvation. Paul was very detailed. Paul says, and he presents the case, uh, sinners need a savior. That's the case. We're sinners, enemy, enemies of God, and we need a savior, and that's Jesus Christ. Romans 5, 1, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have Peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. If you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and what he did, it is, then you're justified by faith, and because of that, you can then have the peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Again, Jesus Christ is the one that brings the peace. How we have peace with God is, is through Jesus. We're not enemies anymore because of what Jesus did. Um, Commentating on this peace with God, uh, Ray Stedman, he wrote this, Our hearts are at peace, calmness, courage. To use a modern term, I think the most accurate, we have good morale. Our morale is high, we're ready for anything, no ground can be too rough for Christ, and we have Christ. Therefore, we have good morale. If you have Christ, you have Christ. It's good news. However, as I look around, there's a lot of people that have spiritual low morale, right? I think joy and peace kind of go together. They are named together. Um, but you, if you have joy, you have peace. You have peace, you have joy, right? Um, we should have peace with God, and that only comes through Jesus Christ. But then you can have peace from God. Jesus said, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Jesus comes and he wants us to have peace. But a lot of people have no peace for lots of various reasons. Um, Life has a way to disrupt peace. And kids do too. And jobs do too. And relationships Whatever. No, we, we can have peace with God. We can have peace from God. Peace is comfortable times, and it's, com- it's, un- it's comfortable in times of ease when life is easy, but peace is really hard when life is really difficult. Have you ever been around a person when, you know, they get the worst news that could be given to a person, and they just kind of swallow it, and like, hmm. Like, how did you react like that? Well, that's a life of living this out. They know that the peace of God that passes all understanding only comes from God. It's a fruit of the Spirit. And regardless of what happens in this life, God has them here for a reason. To show these fruits, to show joy, to show peace. And that only comes from God. But then third, we can have peace, the peace of God. 
Uh, flip over to Philippians 4. I'm doing a little Bible drill. I said I, said I wouldn't, but sorry. Philippians 4. Verse 6. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Peace of God. It will guard your heart. Be anxious for nothing. Anyone here anxious or worry about things? Anyone? There was an election that happened last night. Things happened, red and blue, things happened. Do you watch the news 24-7? Because that would just make you go crazy. I still don't even know who won the Senate. I don't even know. We're going to recount. Do this all again for December, and the news are going to continue to feed us all the things we should worry about. If you did your civil duty and you voted, that's all you can do, and that's all I can do. I can't control who wins Pennsylvania or who wins Georgia. I don't live in those states. It's weird. But the world is really good about getting us to be anxious and worry, jacked up. When you have the peace of God, you don't have to take a melatonin at night. Now, I do take a melatonin most nights because I take it with a Diet Coke, so I take my uppers and my downer at the same time. Y'all can talk to me afterwards, but uh, I'm not saying I'm the smartest guy. In the-, um, the peace of God. Uh, entrusting anxiety and worries to God and letting God's peace guard your heart and mind. We can lie down in peace and we can sleep because we trust God, it says in Psalm 4.8. Um, you can have the most chaotic, unraveling day imaginable and still sleep at peace at night because you trust God. And after all, who controls all of your life and all your things? It's not really us. There could be a pandemic that happens tomorrow and shutdowns could happen. We just walk through something like that. Um, we think we control so many things, but actually... The peace comes from saying, uh, God, you control this. I, financial peace is going through. Dave Ramsey goes through that, and he says in the class, financial peace is two words that it's an oxymoron. They don't go together, right? Because normally finances is all the fights and everything, right? But when you actually do get your finances in order, there is a peace that comes about it, and you realize God wants me to save. God wants me to spend. God wants me to give. And there's peace that comes like that, and you can sleep just fine at night. Peace of God in not just finances, but in every area is what God would want. Um, but don't try to figure out how this peace of God works, because it says uh, it surpasses all understanding. That sounds like I won't be able to understand it necessarily. <laughs> it surpasses all understanding. It includes yours and my understanding. The God of peace will be with you, it says later on that passage in verse 9. But if you look at these verse 6 through 9, and what's in the middle, uh, Paul talks about that you should focus on the pure, good things of life. And that's a whole other talk. Are you focusing on the good things of God, the pure things of God, or are you putting a little bit of poo-poo in your brownie kind of a thing? Y'all know that story, right? I should not have said that. Oh, well. Uh, you know, I don't have any peace, but I'm on my phone 24-7. It's weird. I just think about that, and I think about this, and I get a ding on that banner, and I get a ding here, and I get a ding there, and I'm always, and i got to do this, and i got to do that. And you wonder why you have no peace in your life. Be still and know that I am God. Some of those things you're doing to yourself. You can't blame that on God. 
Peace and the Spirit of God, we see here, how do you develop peace? Um, first is through the, with the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit is in us. John sixteen seven. Jesus tells his disciples that it was good for him to go away. I already referenced this, but why does he have to go away? He has to go away so the Holy Spirit can come, so he can be with the disciples. And this was a very uh, unsettling time for his followers. They're like, he was giving them a bunch of instructions. They're like, what? You're going to go away, we're and we're going, to, we're going to share the gospel message, and we're going to start this church? They were very confused, but Jesus said, no, I will give you the Spirit of God, and it will, it will give you the peace, it will give you these fruits. You'll have these, these, these waves of spreading the gospel, and God does that. He promised them peace in John 14, 27, uh, but it would only come as Jesus left, and that's why he left in his heaven. The Holy Spirit of God is the one who reproduces the peace of God in our lives. Um, allowing the Spirit to guide us, to fill us with the life of Christ is mandatory. It's, it's needed. Peace is also from the Son of God. Jesus in Christ comes and he tells his disciples not to let their hearts be troubled. His legacy and his deposit for them was, was peace. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world, he says in John sixteen thirty three. Um. You, you have you have Jesus Christ that is over, and he's he he he, he just he gives the peace. He he calms the waters of the storm. Which, by the way, there's a good story that Jesus actually did that. Right? His his followers were like, "Wake up! It's crazy." He's sleeping through the on the waves and on the boat, and Jesus is like, "Stop it!" And and that's it. He controls nature. Students of history know that Winston Churchill was the leader who rallied, uh, rallied Great Britain against the German attacks on their country in 1940. His voice would come over the radio encouraging the citizens and, and to, to build their morale. Ray Steadman, he, he sees an analogy between Churchill and Christ, and he said this about, about those two. That is what Jesus Christ has done for us. He calms us in the midst of the struggle. When the battle is almost unbearable, the circumstances look impossible, he speaks peace to us, and he gives us the encouragement that we need for our morale to go up. Then we go back into the battle, and we be victorious. Jesus Christ, through his word, can speak peace into your life. There's plenty of verses here that I've given you that say that God is the God of peace. He wants to give us this. Jesus is the Prince of Peace, Scriptures tells us. Peace in the word of God. The longest psalm in the Bible is Psalm 119. There's 176 verses in it. Uh, We don't have time to read it all tonight. But um, one of those verses, verse 165, says this, Great peace have those who love your law, and nothing causes them to stumble. Psalm 119 is all about the word of the Lord, the law, the statutes, the commandments, the instructions that God has given his people and us. And then in one of those it says, that he wants to give us grace and peace. Paul, in his, many of his letters that he writes, 17 of them, he starts, uh, be accurate, 27 books. 27 New Testament books begin with the phrase, grace and peace. Grace and peace. It's always in that order, too. Grace and peace to you, Thessalonica, Ephesus, wherever. Notice the order of that. The peace comes after you realize the grace of God in your life. That's when it comes. Because God is the God of peace. It's like God is the God of joy. So we should be attentive to what God says in his word. Consider the words of the psalmist, I will hear what God the Lord will speak, for he will speak peace to his people and to his saints. 
Have you received any peace from reading the Word of God recently in your life? Any personal Bible study or maybe through a Bible study at church? Hearing God's Word should allow us to have peace. Another way, another reason to memorize Scripture. Uh, If you just know it, then you can counter the darts of the enemy. Just say, it's crazy right now, but I know I have the peace of God in me. And and God is going to handle this. Then last, peace and prayer. Um, it says here in Philippians 4, 6, and 7, be, be anxious for nothing, but it says what to do. By, uh, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So when you're worried about everything, how do you counter that? We should pray. Because that, realize, that, that then says, I realize I don't control this. As much as, and I'm a control freak. I like to control lots of things. And God has to say, you can't control this. Well, prayer has a way of showing humility to God and saying, God, not that I dismiss doing anything and what I should do. I'm going to do what's right in situation. But I'm also going to realize, God, you're, contr- you're sovereign. You know what's going on here. And I pray that you would help me have peace even in the midst of this chaos. And even in the midst of this storm. Um, so we should be a people of prayer that that can bring peace. Any of y'all traveled ever, like on an airplane? I haven't in a while. My wife did. She regretted it because delays and all these things. And I don't, I don't know why it's so complicated now. But ever since COVID, I don't, there's not great connections out of Midland or something. I don't know. Uh, I remember one time I, I was flying back from a conference in Nashville. I got up early in the morning. This was several years ago. You get up early in the morning, and I get there three, or, three hours early to get all the security and all the stuff. So you get there. Crazy time, so you make sure you get on the plane and get all checked in, get your ticket. And then there's an hour delay, and then there's a two-hour delay. So then, because I'm a control freak, you have to go talk to the person and say, what's going on? You know, they don't give you all the details. Oh, we're in the middle of a storm. Let me show you. And you look on the radar and you show, show, you show on the screen. And sure enough, the redness in yellow is right over the airport, right? You want to look outside in the windows and see all the chaos? I'm like, no, I'm going to go sit back in my chair and drink my coffee. That's what I want to do. And in a moment like that, and maybe some moments of your life, you can be in a totally chaotic situation, but you can have the peace of God in the middle of the storm. It's a great picture of that. Um, I was in a, we were driving back it's getting kind of late, but I'm going I'm to share this. I'm wrapping up, I promise you. Uh, we were driving back from my son had his state marching contest in and, 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 uh, and Waco. And uh, we come out. It's a long day, and they did great. That's fine. And we come out, and they celebrate at, at, at BJ's restaurant. Uh, it was good food. It took a long time to feed 60, 70 people. But uh, I got out, and I was going to drive back from Temple uh, to, to Midland. And, I, and it was like 9 o'clock, 9.30. So we come out of the restaurant, and I, I had a lot of caffeine. And I come out, and I remember Mason and Josh, they look up at the skies. I haven't been checking my radar or anything, but I'm like, uh, it's beautiful. And I videoed it. That's the first thing you think. You see something beautiful, you get the phone out, and you start videoing things. But it was just nonstop lightning, lightning, lightning all over the skies and all over the place. I'm like, that's really nice. Until I got in the car. And then I drove right into that thing. And uh, within five or ten minutes, we had 
And there were warnings and all this stuff, but I listen to Sirius Radio, so you don't get all the warnings, you know. I'm just driving right in the storm, right in the middle of it. Within 10 miles, 10 minutes, probably 60 mile hours, I'm, I'm hearing from people that are, I'm just driving, I can't, there's hail happening, it's complete darkness. You see lightning, I see like bright lightning, like lightning hitting the ground like transformers blowing up. It's like a brightness I haven't seen, but you just want to get away from it. That's what I experienced. And we were supposed to, I'm just trying to stay on the road. There's no places to get under an overpass. I was like, what do you do in this? Do you turn around? I got 18 wheelers. I'm on a a two-lane highway. Uh, Two ways going north, two ways going south, whatever. 36. My wife, she says, I I don't know what to do. I actually was fairly calm, but on the inside I was a nervous wreck. And I can't honestly say I prayed all my verses of peace and God. I just wanted to live. Um, But (laughs) Christy goes... (laughs) We had the GPS there, so you're like, you're supposed to take a left here. I'm like, and, and I didn't take a left there. I'm like, if I take a left here, I think I'm going to die. The hail's coming right at us. It's going to break the windshield. We're going to literally die. I said it very lovingly. Uh, <laughs> when you deal with stress in a very high stress, there were tornadoes. They weren't in our area, but that storm that came through, and it reached all the way up to Dallas. and all, uh, 30 miles south of us, there were some five tornadoes that touched down. I thought there was a tornado. I couldn't see anything. Um, sometimes life has a way of doing that to you. Um, sometimes life has a way of just, uh, you, you don't know what to do. And I pray in those moments that the peace of God can come into your life. And that God will say, and maybe he decided to take us home and that he didn't, but he could have. Um, and that's the peace that passes all understanding. Because if you're living your life for only yourself and only to, to have the white picket fence and have all the happiness and all the joy and all, but you're living for yourself, you're not living for God, that peace can be taken away. Because what if, what if something goes wrong in your life? Well, when that happens, if I have the peace of God, the peace of the Spirit in my life, I still have that. I still have the joy of the Lord in my life. It's not based on circumstances. That's the thing that only God can give. So these two fruits of the Spirit, joy and peace, um, you know, you living that out? Would that be a description if you asked your kids or your grandkids? How would you describe your dad or your mom or grandma or grandpa? Would they say words like that? Or would they say words like angry, impatient, mad? Romans 15, 13 is a verse written on my desk, um, and I think it's a great verse. And I looked at it today, and sure enough, it had these two words in it, so I'm like, I'm going to end with that. Paul said in Romans 15, 13, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace and believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. And ultimately, how do you abound in hope? That's, in, that's found in Jesus Christ. When you have hope, then you have joy and peace. They all go together. And, uh, and God wants us to have that. So I encourage you through his word and through these, uh, this time, um, God wants to give you more of it. Ask for it. If I don't have enough joy, if I'm too focused on my circumstances and how bad it is, uh, help God, give me perspective. Give me from your perspective looking down on my life. And let me see how blessed I am, how... Thankful I should be for the things I do have. I might not have everything. For sure, there are some difficult things. But God, you're at work. 
And I have your salvation and I have your promises through your word. And one day I'm going to have you forever. And that can give you joy. That can give you peace. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the truth of it. I thank you for um, the men you inspired to write down these words so that they could speak to us right now. I thank you for the fruit of the Spirit that we're covering in this, in this session. And uh, I thank you for um, how different it is from the world we live in. So countercultural, but yet that's how you always are. Your ways are so good, so much better than our ways. And I pray that where we're not uh, living out these fruit of the Spirit, we would repent of that and we say, God, the Holy Spirit that's in me, if I put my faith in you, I pray that you would help me uh, help, help perfect these fruit of the Spirit in my life. Show me where I need to improve so that I can show the love of God to everyone I come in contact with, regardless of circumstances. Because that's why we're here. Because you want all to come to know you and your son Jesus Christ and what he did. Thank you for each person here. pray that you bless them as they go. May they have the hope and the joy and the peace of Christ. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.